kicks it out. Impey dumps it to the top of the square. Kaczynski kicks the goal. Impey floats it to Kaczynski. McCartan there with him and Rampy gone. Gotta be. Phillips kicks the goal anyway. Through comes Moore. Can he hurt him going the other way? Absolutely. Good mark and McCartan didn't receive that attention very well. Now goes deep here to one-on-one. O'Brien again. Out the back door. Shields can run to an open goal. A hard-nosed Hawthorne side finally put together a complete four-quarter performance to shock the Swans on their home turf, hosting a really pleasing 38-point win. And there were positives all over the park, with the headline news a certain shaggy-haired debutant who rode himself into the record books. There's plenty to unpack here, so we'd better get down to business. Welcome to the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason, and Tiz, I need to kick things off with a plea for forgiveness. <laughs> Why, what happened? Is it the overreaction to Ned Reeves being out the side? <laughs> it might have been a slight overreaction, not just on my part, but uh, the fan base was none too pleased to see him withdrawn for Johnny Segler. We'll get to that, but no, I need to apologise for um, lodging a certain multi that included tipping Sydney by 40-plus points. No one would have noticed, mate, if you hadn't brought it... <laughs> Into the sunlight on the pod. You would have ambushed me with it about five <laughs> minutes in. You would have made me look like a fool. So I thought I'd jump in before you could get the shot in. I know your game. Weren't we good? We were very good. For the whole game, we were harder for longer. It was great to watch. We were surprisingly great. And look, in my defence, you tip Sydney by 40 plus where not only have you watched Hawthorne the entire season, so you feel like, okay, I feel like I know what's coming. But you also expect the likes of Buddy, Papley, Heaney, they're all going to run right. But far from run right, tears, Sydney's weapons were completely neutralised. Frost froze out Franklin, Hardwick put the clamps on Papley, Burgoyne was a blanket on Heaney, and just all over the park, we smashed them in contested footy, plus 26. Reigned supreme aerially too, with more contested marks, ahead by 7, and hit outs ahead by 16. Won the free kick count too, which is uh, pretty amusing, 26 to 10. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you're at the contest first, Nick. I know. I hope the boys learn that. Isn't that what we've always been told? I'm not sure what happened, but thank you, Razor. <laughs> <laughs> it's the footy equivalent of a blood moon. It's a rare phenomenon that we win the free kick count, but it does happen every now and again. I did enjoy trolling a couple of Sydney Swans fans who were angry at the umpire. I said, oh, yeah, but... Razor, you know, he trains with us over the summer and he knows all the boys by their first name, so what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think that the uh, the Sydney Swans paid for their insolence. They dared to question the AFL on their mid-season draft, and look what happened. Oh, mate, the fact that we picked Nukes was just so good. Okay, we need to talk about Nukem. Let's get to it right away. Well, we were talking about it. We're like, do you think we will? Do you think we won't? And then it happens, and Clarko's just using nukes as this shield behind all the Buckley stuff. He's like, let's talk about this fella. No? How about we talk about him now? <laughs> Finished with 14 tackles, the most by any debutant in VFL, AFL history. It's not just that. His, his presence there um, and his speed of thought was terrific for a first gamer. There were a couple of moves where he's just pushing Swans players into one another to create space for Warple or Mitchell. It's the footy IQ combined with the physicality and the, the, just the, the sheer hunger, the desperation and eagerness to compete is uh, 
I mean, that's what I loved about his game. It was like uh, having him out there said to the rest of the players, look, if a kid of that age can do it, can go in and under and tackle all these fellas again and again and put that much uh, enthusiasm into the work, I can do it too. And, and it showed. I don't think I've ever seen Timmy jump as high for as long. Have you? <laughs> his, his work ethic... His work ethic was unbelievable. That goal that Shields gets, mm. Timmy takes that kick in. He's found himself up the other end, is what you're saying, Tim O'Brien. He's run the length of the field. He's, he's run the length of the field for that goal. I know he doesn't take the mark. I, I know he forces the contest and goes over the back. But that iced the game. It did. That was the moment where you knew that Hawthorne had it. Great stuff all over the park. And uh, Jager and Mira taking Hayward out. In a way that he was taken out earlier in the year. Oh, delicious. Well, you mentioned that passage <laughs> of play with the Shields goal before. Uh, O'Meara had a part to play in that one too, where he took McCartan out without even trying. Yeah. <laughs> McCartan thought, oh, I'll have a bit of this. He looks real prone here. He, co- he must have copped the hip, McCartan, because he's not a small boy. Well, McCartan, I think, copped an elbow in the face inadvertently, and that's what put him down for the count. But O'Meara didn't feel a thing. He took no, the mark and away not. he went. <laughs> it was like a brick wall. Hey, speaking of brick walls, I know we're jumping all over the shop here, but uh, what about CJ's tackle on Buddy bringing him down? Oh, not just CJ. I think everyone tried to bring down Buddy as hard as they could. Lovely. And it was a little bit, I don't know, felt a little bit sorry for Bud at the end. He's, he's past it when he's got a good player on him. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, that first quarter, there were certain glimpses where you were like, this guy is still incredibly watchable. Oh, the first five minutes, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, <laughs> what's going on? But he doesn't have the stamina, I don't think, for the whole game now. Maybe it's maybe he just got worried out of it, but I thought Frost was terribly effective, just getting him under the pitch of the ball and making sure Buddy didn't get any space because we, we all know Buddy's not the best overhead mark. So um, if you can just pitch him under it a little bit, make him a bit difficult. Anyway, I didn't think Longmire did anything tactically that worried Clarko. No, not at all. I think he was terribly predictable. Heaney was in the back line for a little while. I was like, well, that's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> the game played out in such a way where you went like, Hawthorne's done their homework here. They're sitting on every player that they need to sit on. And now Sydney just have nothing left. They have no answer. They have no one else to turn to when every single one of their stars is blanketed. And their taggers weren't having that much effect. Um, Tom Mitchell managed to shrug them off a few times, and we were just getting the ball to the outside. Will Day, oh, mate, what a player. Oh, yeah. He's just so confident when he's near the ball. And he only needs a slight touch, and and it falls to someone else's advantage. Fantastic to watch. He only ended up with 12 touches, but as you say, there's so much that goes into those 12 touches. That mastery of time and space is just... Magnificent, And I think you're right. He does play with a confidence and a flair that is just so enjoyable and such a welcome return to the side. I think not many people will mention it. Certainly not the footy media. They'll overlook it. But Will Day coming back makes a huge difference to that back line. Oh, he gives you so much support. And we saw Hardwick hardly got a touch. But he, he could have hard... You know, he was allowed to not have a touch. We had the distributors out there, you know. And, oh... Papley going nuts. My favourite moment, I reckon. Well, I was going to say, Hardwick hardly had a touch, but Papley, he did absolutely nothing. I think he had 10 in the end. But it's interesting, the AFL.com.au write-up said that Isaac Heaney and Tom Papley combined 
for one goal. I'm like, can you can you combine for one goal? <laughs> the two of them? Well, they kick half each, did they? Their, their whole structure and system fell apart, and I thought Clarko did it wonderfully. Um, you know, Parker was a non-event at Sydney. Although they, they rallied in that third quarter, but we matched them. Yeah, we held strong and, and broke even in that quarter. Uh, you mentioned Parker. I want to talk about the midfield, namely Tom Mitchell. 34 disposals, 7 tackles. 440 metres gained. The only real knock on his game was the uh, disposal efficiency at just 58.8%. But when you've got a workhorse like that, it, it kind of compensates for it. Yeah, I mean, he had 21 in the first half, uh, which is pretty big, and then he drifted out after that. But he's, as you say, the metres gained is far better this week. That's very good from him. And then we're getting so much run out of CJ. There are a couple of moments where he just... That is incredible play. He just sticks the jets on and everyone is out of position for the Sydney Swans and all the Hawthorne players are just hungry for the ball. Wonderful to see. I'd say that CJ recaptured his form, but the truth is he actually went better than he has all season. That was a career-high 28 disposals at 85.7% disposal efficiency. That's huge. An enormous 553 metres gained as well, 10 intercepts, 5 inside 50s. So he's doing it at both ends of the ground. Yeah. He's not only cutting off the footy and, and launching us into attack, he's also completing our attack by putting us inside the arc. So very impressive. And 9 of those are contested too, with 10 intercepts. And that that's just... Stellar stuff. You couldn't ask for more. Now, I mentioned it before. We had a question here from Nice One Abo. Uh, what was better, CJ fending off Dusty or dumping Bud? Oh, the fend off on Dusty. <laughs> just the audacity and the, the moment's thought. You know, he just sees him there, pushes him away, takes off. Love it. I tell you what, he's, he's not overawed by the presence of some great players. He'll do what he wants, CJ. It's great. He backs himself. And and Newcomb had a shot. I thought that was fantastic. He was about fifty out, and I was like, "Oh wow, he actually had a ping." <laughs> maybe he does think he's maybe he does think he's living in a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like only a matter of time before we see that first goal from Newcomb. It's, it's just so rough and ready, isn't it? His whole look. Like, he's just this little ball of muscle. I feel like we're uh, kids on Christmas Day at the moment. We're just pinging around all these talking points, and it's hard to stay focused on one thing, because we're delighted with this win. Uh, I want to focus on John Segler, because, you know, we had some queries. It wasn't just me, it wasn't just you. I had a query before the match. You you remember Ado, he he messaged me. He's like, uh, I've got Reeves in Supercoach. Do you think um, do you think he'll make it back into the lineup next week? Or do you think I should take him out now? And I said, oh, no, nah, he'll probably be back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what a vote of confidence. And then 10 minutes in, and Segler's running. He's kicked the first goal. He's running right, and Ada messages me, and he's just, you know, shaking his head and going, he's playing too well for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> and he carried it throughout the entire game, Johnny Segler. 20 touches, and 19 of those were contested. Holy moly, that is a superb effort from a Ruckman. A game-high 35 hitouts, 9 clear of Hickey, recorded 11 clearances, the most of any player out there. What a game. That's got to be That's got to be a, a career best for Segler. All, overall, that's amazing for him. There's a lot of players that you can say this for this week. There's a new benchmark for a lot of players. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think Tom Phillips... Yeah, that was the first guy I was going to mention. That's his best game. Even though his metres gained were lower, his disposal efficiency was 94% and he kicked two lovely goals. 
He also had uh, 10 contested possessions. So he got everything out of himself. It was uh, it was a very good performance from Tom Phillips. And yeah, I think you're right. He set a new standard for himself. So if you can contribute that every week, that'd be nice. Uh, I think another unsung hero was Dan Howe. Again, like Will Day, you won't catch anyone talking about Dan Howe this match. I'm, I'm sorry. Are you, are you sure, Nick? You're all right. I uh, know. I'm not. I'm not normally a fan, but <laughs> you know, credit where it's due. Twenty three touches, four hundred and five meters gained. Uh, he was comparable to CJ by half time. Yeah, and in the first few minutes, I think I mentioned it. They were just trying to get the ball at seventy out on a forty five degree angle to distribute into the forward line, and God, it worked well. Sydney had no counteraction for that, and they had to drop a man back. That <clears throat> really set us up. We we felt really good about ourselves after that, and Harry Morrison was in that role with Dan Howe and a couple of other blokes. And um, I just wondered what had happened when Harry uh, did his hammy and, and uh, came off and we got Morrison. But it didn't really matter because Moore stepped up. Yeah, Moore, I think half of his possessions were contested in the end, which helps. Yeah, so... If you look at the AFL ratings, Jonathan Segler and then Tom Phillips were our two best, followed by Ben McAvoy, Dylan Moore, Jack Scrimshaw, and then CJ. You know, if you can get that out of the team now, this all goes really well for 2023, maybe 2024. Worth mentioning Jack Scrimshaw as well. 18 touches at 94.4% disposal efficiency and 10 intercepts. He is rolling very nicely, Tiz. Uh, what a season he's having. Now, what was the moment you started to believe, Nick? You know, because we, we, we've been prone to playing a really good quarter and then sort of drifting off. And Well, at quarter time, I mean, I was live tweeting the game at Hawk Talk Pod and quarter time, I, you know, did a bit of a summation of what we'd seen and I included a gif of Larry David <laughs> saying, okay, all right, <laughs> which was pretty much how I felt at the time. Like, okay, Hawthorne, I'm listening. <laughs> and halftime I was satisfied, but also a little nervous because I'm like, when, when is this quarter going to come? Because I'm used to playing Hawthorne Lotto and I feel like it's going to happen and it could happen as quickly as maybe the first five, ten minutes of the next quarter. I think once I saw that we were up for the fight, and we broke even with Sydney, and we got to three-quarter time relatively unscathed, I was pretty satisfied we could make it. Well, I mean, it was nearly a 40-point win, which is very, very good up there. Now we've got Essendon. You'd be quietly... Would you be confident, Nick? I'm quietly confident. Essendon coming off a bye, aren't they? That's my only concern. Yeah, that's the other thing here. We're coming off a bye to play Sydney, so fatigue might be a factor. Sydney looked fairly shoddy they looked tired and disinterested at times especially towards the end of the game where we made it look very easy indeed um you know that that could easily be part of it we had a number of questions from listeners on this game as you might expect people are wrapped with the results so they want to hit us up at hook talk pod and also on instagram and facebook um a number of them asking just what happens with reeves now we heard from joel and tl and Scamasaurus, they all sort of ask a similar question of, what do you do with the lineup next week against Essendon? It's just fantastic to have competition for spots, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that we didn't bother to replace Mitch Lewis with a tall 
was interesting as well. What would you do? We'll get to Mitch Lewis in a sec, but what would you do? I'd be inclined to keep Segler in for now. Uh, I know that we're all very anxious to see more of Ned Reeves. I'm excited about him, but I think you play the informed player, surely. All right, you can't drop Segler after that performance. Not a chance. There'll be time for Reeves. He's still got half a season left, so plenty of time. Yeah, I, I think you'd probably go in with the same lineup next week. Well, keeping in mind also there's at least one forced change that we have to make. That's Harry Morrison coming out with a hamstring injury. Uh, Josh Morris was the sub. I don't know, mate. I, I'm torn on Morris. Uh, it's it's difficult because just the three touches again for negative three metres gained. He played almost double the game time that Harry Morrison managed, but still had five less touches. How do you do that? Uh, well, I think he just was asked to play a negative role. I didn't see anyone look for him when he was in space or anything like that. Um, it's tough for the young man, I suppose. But you got to get more out of yourself than he has been. He looks far different at VFL level. So he's just got to make that transition. Some players find it harder than others. I still back him. But it's a very tough role to play on our side. Well, one of our listeners, Jez, at Hook Talk Pod, wonders what's up with Morris. Is he an in-between VFL and AFL-level player? I think we're still finding it out. I know which way I'm leaning at the moment. He's still very young. His talent is fine. Like, his skills are good. He's just got to work out uh, the pace and the rhythm of the game. Yeah, I mean, what's he played? Five, six games, if that? I'd need to look it up. But this is very early days at this point, and... Yeah, he, he still needs a shot. I'm not sure if he stays in the side this week. I guess we'll wait and see. Um, what about Warple, who's set to miss a week oh. thanks to uh, an air quotes dangerous tackle? Look, I can't see it. Like, I know I'm one-eyed, but I cannot see how he's at fault in that. There's not two movements. There's not the two movements they always look for. It's not the back of the head. He's just sort of pulled him down as he falls. They gotta chuck it out. Not even worth a free kick on the night. No. So the guy has his that guy has his other arm out. It's he's only uh, tackled him with one arm. He can use the other arm to protect himself. Correct. Yeah. And that's what I don't understand either. I saw worse tackles on Hawthorne players. And what happened to the bloke that hit Will Day in, in that cowardly way? Oh, I, th- I think that was given a week as well, wasn't it? Well, how are they equivalent? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't get it either. That's a dog act, that is. We heard from uh, Alicia and Adam, uh, will the Hawks appeal the Warple tackle? Uh, Adam adding also, why is the AFL gone mad? <laughs> it, it, uh, it was an incident that John Ralph flagged. And you're like, piss off, Ralphie, find something else to talk about. Well, it, it's it's not so much that they talk about it at all. It's the way that John Ralph brings it up. His hysteria. God. It's that he comes straight out and editorialises. Like, he doesn't just say, oh, look, the AFL might have a look at this. He just comes straight out and says, yeah, he should get a week. He sh- oh, he should, should he? Oh, thanks, John. Talk about it as news, <laughs> but I don't need you weighing in. Anyway, speaking of um, head injuries, they reckon there's going to be an inquiry into what happened to Mitch Lewis. From the AFLPA. It was revealed that Mitch Lewis suffered a concussion in a boxing sparring session at training. Uh, Hawks assistant coach Craig McRae shed some light on the incident. He said, uh, it's a shame I've put a lot of time into Mitch and have great belief he can make it at this level consistently. He's shown some great signs of that. And then McRae also added he uh, zigged when he should have zagged, did Mitch Lewis, and he copped one. We were just doing some body punches, to be honest, and he ducked. Who hit him? 
Is that actually officially out or we run with the rumour? I don't think it's been uh, officially named. So we'll run with the rumour that it was Cozzy. Oh, I thought it was Timmy. I thought Timmy got him one. Gee, if TOB could show that kind of mongrel on field, that'd be good. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? <laughs> and then all the headlines would be how, how he's a ranger. It'd be good. A fiery <laughs> ranger. Gone berserk. Imagine if he got to a grand final with us and then did the old... Uh, Started throwing haymakers in the goal square. Oh, I'd be there for that. <laughs> He's had enough. The gloves are off. <laughs> I'm sick of you chopping my arms. How's this for almost back? <laughs> Jeez. Mate, he is so close to marking the car. You know that, don't you? <laughs> he's, he's probably had about 20 Toyotas. i got to say, frustrating as he has been for much of his career, he has grown on me in the past month. I, I'm, I'm seeing the work ethic now. I'm seeing his ability to bring the ball to ground for some of our small forwards. If he even stuck 50% of what he flies for, he'd be, he'd be an outright star. It'd be incredible. But that being said, he's also not useless. Like, he's not a terrible player. He's a player that frustrates because he hasn't fulfilled his potential. But he... He plays a role. You can't dispute that. I think he's one of those players that the opposition come in and think, we cannot let this guy get hot. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? If he takes a few, it's going to be over. Yeah, look, maybe. <laughs> I, I guess, the, you know, we're talking about forward line now. Uh, Mitch Lewis misses one game through no fault of his own, and suddenly we have questions from uh, Jez and Scamasaurus asking, what happens with Mitch now? Does he ever return to the side? And... <laughs> What combo is best up forward? Oh, no, he'll be back. But he'd be worried about Callow, and I think it's great. Reeves is worried about how he's going to get back in the lineup, and Segler, you can't tell me he didn't respond to the threat of being kept out of this lineup. Okay? So that's fantastic. That is so good for us. And when you consider we've got Sicily to come back into that back line, who's getting pushed out? They're not getting pushed out. They're getting pushed to a different line. They're playing somewhere else. They're going to rotate through midfield or wing and halfback. You saw how little impact Impy had. Like, they, he, he wasn't required to do much. How about this, mate? I'll throw a couple more names at you. Remember, we've got Hardigan still to come back in. Yeah. Mm, okay. Kind of a different level to Sicily. <laughs> Look, I, I share that reaction and that, that uh, low-level enthusiasm, but the fact is that They'll want to play him. They'll want to select him. And then whenever he's right to go, Gunston has to be in consideration as well. Oh, I thought you were going with DGB. Well, DGB as well. Jack is knocking the door down. Suddenly, and I know you pointed this out on Twitter, with one win, it all starts to look a little rosy, doesn't it? <laughs> Sam Landsberger's like, wow, now they've, they've got a team that can beat Sydney in Sydney and they've also got all these low draft picks. What's going to happen now? They have... Hawthorne derangement syndrome, a lot of these journalists. They really do. It's amazing. We win one game and they're like, oh, they're coming. Oh, they're coming. <laughs> Everything that Sam pointed out in that tweet was true even before the mid-season draft. All that was different was obviously you didn't know it was going to be Jai Newcomb. You didn't know it was going to be Jackson Cullow that we picked up. But everything was already in play. We were always going to get Sicily back. We're always going to have a pretty good draft hand at the end of the year. But suddenly, when the team wins, it's like, well, hold the phone. Hawthorne are coming back. <laughs> it's like, well, not that much has changed. I mean, we're in a fantastic mood today. We're still riding the wave of this wonderful win. But 
all the positives were there before. You just had to be a glass half full kind of person. That's all. Yeah. Now, if Collingwood could beat Melbourne on Monday, it'd be about the perfect weekend, wouldn't it? It would be sensational because we'd have that buffer again, and then we've got that buffer now to to North. There, like basically, they've been christened the wooden spoon already. I reckon. Dare I say, Tiz, Collingwood have Buckleys. <laughs> Anyway, he apparently, and I love this. Ronnie Lerner waited until the end of the uh, end of the presser to tweet that he's got the worst winning percentage of any coach that's gone over a hundred games at Collingwood. <laughs> and I was like, that was a wonderful presser too, because Robbo was like, uh, I mean, he really set a new standard of incoherence, didn't he? You could bottle that. That is Robbo. <laughs> that is the essence of Robbo. The connectivity issues with Robbo are usually just brain to mouth, but there was a whole new level of this one. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say about this game? We had, we had a couple more questions I'd like to get to. Uh, one from Richard here. Uh, Do you share the opinion that someone spoke to the boys about their field kicking? Much less airtime with the ball this weekend, Mitchell included. It's been one of our fatal flaws for two years now, and I liked seeing it addressed. Is it something you noticed? I'm not sure. I didn't, I didn't notice it at the time, no. Um... I noticed that uh, having a tall target up the line was fantastic. Um, that actually could take a mark every now and again. I thought McAvoy was excellent at that. I'm happy to be proven wrong on this, but I felt as though Richard's onto something. There was less just dumping it into the forward line mindlessly. I, I didn't really feel the frustration of that like I do a lot of weeks. Maybe it's just a symptom of the whole team just playing better that we don't need to resort to that. Maybe it's something that Sydney weren't doing defensively, but I I, th- I thought it was less of a problem. I actually thought um, it was more about... I didn't think the kicks were any better. They were, they were to the same positions as they normally are, but I thought the bodywork as they came in was far better. And I think Hodgie pointed it out on the, on the KO stream that the... Forwards were jockeying, uh, and even Tom Mitchell took out one of the defenders as the ball came in the forward 50 to create space on the lead. That was when McAvoy marked completely unchecked. Yeah. Which I think Longmire would have just about done a Clarko and put his fist through the box, I reckon. I do enjoy the uh, expressions of Longmire. Uh... <laughs> Instantly gifable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, it was great. And it was thoroughly deserved for the supporters. I mean, it's a Friday night, and we turned up. We showed it. We showed what Hawthorne's about. And we did it with a young brigade. We did indeed. There was plenty to get excited about. We had questions from Rick and Chad Wingard fan here. Rick asking, how good was that game? And Chad Wingard fan asking, was that the best win for the Hawks so far this year? And uh, no contest for mine. It's got to be. Has to be. Four-quarter effort, um, harder at the ball, all day, uh, we kicked our goals. It was wonderful, wonderful kick from Bruce. That was a sensational goal. Umpire barely moved a muscle for that one. That kind of reward for for the effort, that, oh, it's just sensational. You know, he's still, and he's had a down year, really. And his effort on the night, just, you know, I mean, he only had 11 touches. And, but his disposal efficiency... You know, he has four tackles, but five scoring involvements and two goals. That's all he needs to do. You know, and he, there's a couple of times he ha- he was against Rampy, and who's 
easily their best defender is their best player on the night. And he had no right to halve the contest because Ramsey had the best position, but he managed it, you know? Wonderful. So having a weird old season as Luke Bruce, because I still think he leads our goal kicking, but you wouldn't say that he's been amazing. So just one of those things. Dylan Moore's goal, though. Loved that. Timmy getting the ball, giving it to Moore, who just decides, yeah, I won't need anyone else. I'll kick this myself. Took the pressure all on himself, drilled it. Bang. Tom Mitchell was screaming for it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, good on Dylan Moore. Good to sink that goal. And uh, that was the goal that made us break even. Yeah, one goal, one in the third, yeah. It's been a fairly good week for Hawthorne, mate, because uh, we had a good win on the field and, and some wins earlier in the week off the field. Uh, Reeves and Dimmer have signed on. Promising ruckman Ned Reeves. He's put pen to paper on a two-year contract extension. He'll stay with the club tiers through to the end of 2023. And we've got Blake Hardwick, who signed a long-term deal as well. He'll be wearing brown and gold until at least the end of 2024. They're two very big signings. Yeah, well, Blake Hardwick was one I was quite worried about because he would be attracting offers from other sides. So that is, uh, that is very good news for me. I think he's one of those... The first bloke picked every week, practically, in that in that back line is just so durable. It could have been our regular episode, or maybe even the bonus one, I forget, the, the one that we put out recently. I think even you, you named him almost immediately as, you know, the guy that would be part of the next premiership tilt. When we eventually get back to contendership, one of the first players you named was, well, Blake Hardwick's going to be there. So, you know, show of faith from the, from the club as well. They know exactly what they want to do. Hardwick could be doing very well in the Peter Crimmins too, I imagine. He hasn't had a stellar season, but he's been one of our best. Uh, Ned Reeves also, I mean, that's a critical signing too. Uh, we know how I feel about the Ruck situation by now. Long-time listeners know I don't need to rehash my thoughts on that. So I think it's absolutely critical that he's staying with the club for the next couple of years. Now, we've got an interesting question here, Nick, and, and one I hope no one at Hawthorne entertains. Mount Everest asks... What's an offer you would <laughs> that would convince you to trade the number two overall pick? The offer that would convince me to trade the number two overall pick would be, if it was on the table, the number one overall pick. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm not giving it up for anything. I would not entertain... No. Nah. It's it's invulnerable to any sort of deal you could throw away, with the exception of the number one. It would be totally incorrect a strategy to, to move on the number two pick. It's non-negotiable for me. I cannot emphasize it enough. Would you take Dusty for that number two? No. Oh, <laughs> come on. He says with a wry smile. <laughs> <laughs> How old is Dusty anyway? Does it matter? doesn't seem to show. Oh, can we just talk about Sean Burgoyne just for one sec? The 38-year-old that made Buddy Franklin look like a second-tier player. <laughs> Played his part perfectly, did Sean Burgoyne. Anyway, we'll get to some more questions. Uh, Toilet Duck at Hook Talk Pod. At this point in the season, what are our draft goals shaping up to be at the end of the year? It's something we've revisited time and time again on the podcast, and I think they've kind of held steady. I, I would assume... It's all midfield from here, and that would include a couple of mids and a ruck at the very least. Mate, BTA. B-T-A. Elaborate, please. Best talent Talent available. available. (laughs) 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 Oh, I should have known. That is your ethos, 100%, isn't it? No, no, no. They've got to fill the 
either the full back or the centre half back role. That's uh, that's a key pin, and they've got to find another ruck to um, maintain pressure on the. Well, I, I imagine McAvoy. He's got another year, but uh, if he gets injured, you know, we need some more talent there, and uh, we also need another forward. There's so much we need to do. Another midfielder. Need need a, a winger. Yeah, uh, wings. <laughs> wings are a big thing. Although we've seen Seamus Mitchell uh, back training, so we might actually see him play next week in the VFL. Oh, I don't, I think he's still what three four weeks away, wasn't he? He just moved off the indefinite list. I just like his moves on the video. You know, it's uh, it's a bit frustrating. <laughs> I just want to see him play. It's frustrating for you. It'd be frustrating for him. I mean, he's overcome this ankle injury. And, you know, by all reports, whispers were that he sustained a hamstring injury. And, just, oh, it's been a, a wretched run with injury. But he's on his way back, finally. Three to four weeks is what we read in the most recent injury report. So keep an eye on Seamus Mitchell. I was just thinking, we're, we're going through the changes we do. Perhaps we should bring back Tyler Brockman to, to torment Essendon. He played brilliantly against them in round one it would be really good to have him back i i wonder what's kept him out of this i mean there's a f- probably a few factors but didn't he have a foot injury and he got ill before the match and you know it's just been a few little things but he certainly lit it up at at vfl level i remember campbell brown and or maybe it was stephen gillam just making what's the word Primal noises, Tiz. They were almost primal in nature. Yeah, primal noises. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dead said that's probably one of the best goals this year, right? In a loss as well. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, so all four Tyler Brockman coming back. Um, geez, we've got, we've got some more questions here. Uh, JK06, as Clarko commits to the rebuild 2004 style, who would you trade out for first-round picks, Wingard or Mitchell? We need the experience of Gunston, Bruce, and Sicily to lead the youngsters. So I guess he's gone hands off those three players. Bruce is contracted. Well, they're all contracted, but um, who would you trade out? I mean, this is the this is the question we keep on coming back to time and time again. We've got a whole lot of money, Nick. We may be able to bring in talent without flogging other people off. Yeah, quite possibly. You know, it's not a proven list, so you can shop Wingard around, and it sounded like, um, Mitchell was being shopped around with some of the noise that was coming out of the club in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I love the uh, the response uh, from Clarko basically saying it's complete garbage. And then the counter response from some journos, I'm not going to name names, who are effectively like, uh, yeah, but he said that about uh, the mid-season draft, that they weren't going to have two picks. And then suddenly they did have two picks. And so he was clearly lying about that. What What if he's lying about this? Oh, my gosh. Imagine living with that uncertainty. Oh, that'd be <laughs> that shocking. That paranoia that a senior coach... That people can change things you aren't in control of, can change on you like that? That must be shocking. It's also disregarding the fact that you know, this idea that, oh, Clarko is the master manipulator, he, he he zigs and zags, he never tells the truth. You've been reporting for about a decade that he's going to leave and seek a contract with another club, and he every single time he shot it down, every single time he says, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not going anywhere. If anything, he's a master of telling the truth. What does he call Mike Sheehan again? I forget now. But when he got on 
after Mike had linked into going to the West Coast Eagles right before the grand final. Oh my goodness. That was one of the best Clarkos I've seen. Like, you know how we all the coaches have this facade for the media, but that time that he got face-to-face with Mike Sheehan, oh, you could just see the seething <laughs> undercurrent. It was, it was a bold confidence that he would just stare Mike down and Mike had nothing, you know, and he just invented it all and it was deplorable of him to do it. So uh, since we're talking like all things Media Watch, Tom Morris during the week talking about uh, Tom Mitchell uh, wanting to seek a trade and, you know, the club would be open to it and all this, this, that and the other, yada, yada, yada. To um, Richmond, no less. Yes, to Richmond. Well, you know, it was... The clickbaity headline was like, to a big club. It's like, okay, well, I don't think it's true anyway, so I'm not. it doesn't matter who it is. I don't believe it. But I love it how when Tom Morris, uh, in air quotes, broke the story, uh, he, was talking to, um, he was talking to Jared about it. And Jared was like, who's driving this? Who's driving the story? And at that point, and this is completely true and correct, Tom was like, well, no one's physically driving it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, where's the story then? If no one's driving it. It's got to be you, mate. This is what happens in the buy rounds. Totally unsubstantiated trash that is designed to just pad out a segment because they don't know what else. They have nothing else to talk about. It's like, crap, okay, I'm meant to be on Fox tonight. Jesus, five minutes. This is starting to feel like padding too, Nick. <laughs> 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 when we get almost about an hour in, it does start to feel like padding. We've got one more question to get to before we start to wrap up. Arriving Virus at Hook Talk Pod. Terrible name. <laughs> it's a timely name. In light of the big freeze, what would you guys dress as going down the slide? My personal pick, I'll go uh, Jason Dunstall, complete with the, <laughs> the headgear as well, that look. You go going head first, eh? Like he used to lead out and go head first into the turf to take the marks. Now that you've spelled it out, it sounds like a great idea, but is there an OHS concern with that? Are they going to allow me to go head, head first down the slide? As long as you somersault, you'll be fine. <laughs> I, I'd dress as Johnny Platten, because I reckon it'd look cool. Just just huge hair going in. You look like Grug. <laughs> Hey, what other footy podcast will you get a reference to Grug? Beloved children's character Grug. <laughs> and, and also, we get to the 44, which allows us to go back to John Newcomb, and everything is right with the world again. It was great to see the 44 running around. Oh, that John Newcomb. What an excitement machine he was. Uh, we'd better get to some social media stuff as we look to wrap up now. I uh, would really appreciate it if you rated or reviewed our show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that is the way that people find the show. If you jump on there and leave us a few kind words and maybe a five-star review, I mean, you could, could do less than that. I don't know why you would. Or just listen with a mate because uh, everyone wants to sort of bathe in this win. Exactly. Beating the old mob of Sydney. Oh. Making the bloods bleed. <laughs> Making it real hard for them to make top four. Oh, what a shame. When they threw up their next three matches, I was like, oh, poor you. What a terrible time to lose your form. This is the thing. <laughs> I, I, like, I'd hate to compromise our, our draft hand, but sitting outside the eight and just being assassins from outside the eight and <laughs> <laughs> destroying other teams' chances of qualifying for top four or indeed the finals. 
Ooh, could be an entertaining back after the season. Who knows what we're capable of? Anyway, you can jump on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. We're looking for a big boost now towards 2,700 followers. What a milestone that'll be. You can join our Facebook family over at facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod and Instagram as well. All you've got to do is search HawkTalkPodcast and Patreon is the big one for us. That's how you support the show. You can jump on board, patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus content. Look, all, all the details there, patreon.com slash pod if you really appreciate and want to support what we do. So a new Newcomb this week and then a new Callow next week. What do you reckon? We're saying hello to Callow. Yeah, no, nah, that one needs work, buddy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Look, for what it's worth, I'm on board with the idea. I'd love nothing more than... A big, strong debutant to come in and terrorise Essendon. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Let him boot a few goals. Oh, it would be great to watch. Great to watch. He probably needs to learn the uh, the leading patterns and all that kind of stuff. But just the sheer, the sheer wonder of seeing a bloke come into the side and just carve him up. Oh, would be great. And just for laughs, let him get real close. Let him get really close to winning the match and then hit up Tim O'Brien for another sealer. <laughs> <laughs> God, that was spectacular. We're up and about this week on the Hawk Talk podcast, aren't we? Uh, such fun after a win. Tears, it's been really good. Uh, we'll be back, of course, next week to recap all the action uh, from the MCG, assuming it goes ahead of the MCG. Either way, you know we'll be back to talk about the game. This has been the Hawk Talk podcast for another week. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.